hairs on my body started standing on end. Silent. Nothing there. I fought to get back into my body. You are going to be a vital importance of helping us convince the masses. Type 471. Type 471. Bridge to the other world. Bridge to the other world. Welcome to Type 471. I'm Sam Kitchen. My guests today are Sandy Nelson and Kevin Carney. Now, these two people have had quite some extraordinary experiences, uh, a, a number of them. There's one in particular that's just really mind-blowing, and I can't wait to get into it. So we're going to tell they're Sasquatch experiencers, in case that wasn't clear. So uh, Sandy Nelson and Kevin Carney, welcome to Type 471. How are you folks doing today? Good, Sam. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Talking about Sasquatch, it's it's always a good good thing for me. So I'm doing just fine. Thank you. It's one of our favorite subjects too. <laughs> oh, I know, I know it is. <laughs> so <laughs> a- along those lines, to that end, I want to start at the beginning. But but before we start at the beginning of even your Sasquatch journey, I I want to know just individually about about the two of you, about your backgrounds. Kevin, you want to start? Uh, sure. Well, I uh, had a number of. Uh experiences that i didn't know were experiences uh growing up on a rather large uh, horse farm in in western washington and uh really life got in the way and so i just kind of discarded it uh my dad uh who was an attorney worked his way through law school by um working in the um, logging camps in the snoqualmie forest which is uh, snoqualmie north bend it's a uh, it used to be a very, very uh, heavily timbered area, and uh, a lot of college kids would go there for uh, for summer work. And um, he talks so matter-of-factly about forest people, well, he called them uh, Bigfoot back then, that I'm sure a lot of those uh, stories that he got were from uh, from those logging camps. But um, yeah, life gets in the way. I'm a Marine Corps vet. Uh, currently, I'm a manager for a, a very large uh, medical device company. And uh, as uh, as I uh, kids get older and I'm starting to have more free time, uh, I started to dig into what I really, really wanted to know about. And that's that's the forest people. And uh, and uh, oh, my goodness, in the last few years, I can't believe uh, <laughs> that, that I haven't seen this. I You know what? I have seen this and never had an explanation for it before. So. So that's where I'm at. I'm in the middle of my journey and it's uh it's uh, an exciting one. Wow. Yeah, that's that's profound right there. Just uh it's an exciting journey. I know I know that moment that you're that you're talking about like that that awareness, that dawning awareness it seems like where you're just kind of in this thing that you've known about and it's kind of unfolding. I know this might might not make a lot of sense, but does that kind of resonate with you, Kevin? Oh, absolutely. When you start talking to people around the campfire and all of a sudden it's like Oh my gosh, that explains what happened in 1983. That kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, perfectly. It ex- explains it perfectly. Yeah. Well, all right, Sandy. How about you? Who who are you? What's your background? Well, uh, Kevin, you know, was kind of aware of the forest people as a young child. 
other than seeing the Patterson-Gimlin film as a young child and really not thinking too much about it one way or the other was like, oh, okay. You know, it wasn't a taboo subject, but it wasn't one of great discussion at our home. So I really never was interested in the subject at all until my sister contacted me in 2013. And um, she, um, I have a beach beach house here at the ocean, Pacific Ocean, and and she was staying here and she had some experiences and she called to tell me about them. And, and it came down to probably Sasquatch and the BFRO, um, she had made a report and she found out that there were other people in the general neighborhood here that had encounters as well with Sasquatch. And so she called to tell me about it. And I was like, well, okay, you know, that's, that's great, Jude. Um, I'll come down this weekend and you can tell me all about it. So I did. And at the same time, she had invited uh, Scott Taylor with the BFRO uh, to the house, too. He wanted to set up some audio equipment. And um, so I got to meet Scott. And he stayed for the weekend. And he um, just shared so much information that it intrigued me. And I thought, well, you know, if there are neighbors right here uh, on the backside of my property, then maybe I should learn more about them. And so that started my journey into Sasquatch. And, um, and that was May of 2013. And it has been a, a great journey. Um, I, I think I know a little bit more than I did when I started the journey, but you know, a lot of times you're still questioning and still wondering and trying to put the pieces together. It's like a huge puzzle, and you're still trying to connect all of the pieces together to <laughs> to try and understand these beings. Um, so I'm thinking it's more like a Rubik's cube. Oh, <laughs> you can't put it together. So, okay. so it's been a, a very interesting journey. And then Kevin and I met about four and a half years ago. Um, he came to camp. Um, Barb and I were doing camp out. And um, he actually came to camp and we met. And, you know, we have so much in common. So um, we became um, wonderful partners. And, and, um, and here we are. We've had experiences separately and experiences together. And um, one of the stories that we're going to talk about today is Click. And that was one that uh, we've had together. So here we are. Excellent. Well, that that is quite an origin story and quite a Sasquatch love story. I love it. That's, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your your experiences together. Where did your experiences together begin? I want to just establish as much of a chronology as we can. Just like the the first joint experience you two had together. Oh my gosh! Well, so we um, started. He came into camp, and that was in June of seventeen, two thousand seventeen. So that, that whoop on the night walk. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. So um during the camp out, we would do some night walks and we had a, quite a few newbies in camp. And so um one of us would Barb or I or one of the other campers would go out with the newbies and do night walks. And and like Kevin said, that was pretty incredible just to hear a call come from the forest. And then a few weeks later in July, we went over 
to Eastern Washington into the Yakima area and did a camp out over there. And we um, woke up to the most incredible, I call it singing, um, by probably the forest folks because nobody else sings like that in the forest that I know of. And these calls went on around us. We were like surrounded and they were just calling and calling and calling in the wee hours of the morning, um, just as day was breaking. And it went on for what, a half an hour? It, it was amazing. 30, I stopped, I, I tried to chronicle it, but it, there was so much and it wasn't constant. There would be one call, then a five second delay, another call, five second delay, and then another call, five second delay. And that was, that was up on the ridge top above us about a quarter mile, not more than a half mile. And then, and then there was a pause. And then another, another series of calls, very similar to that, to our, uh, the, the first call was like to our nine o'clock. And then the second set of calls was to our 12 o'clock. And then to, and then to our three o'clock. And then to our 12 o'clock, we were surrounded. Now, some were closer than others. The farthest one was the one up on the hill. Uh, the closest one, I would guess, between 50 and 100 yards. And they were very, they were very uh, soulful. It didn't see, it didn't sound threatening. It didn't sound excited. It sounded very, it didn't sound mournful. It sounded soulful. I'm glad you said that. I, I, I want to understand the nature of these sounds as best we can, or as best I can. I want to come to understand them. Uh, and, and, and you mentioned this soulful sound, this, this, so much, this resonates with so much, uh, in terms of other sounds that I've heard people describe in terms of my own experience, but yeah, I, I, I totally get that soulful element that you're talking about. I want to, uh, what, okay. So comparing this sound, this call to what we know, like a whoop or an Ohio call, was it, it was it related to something like that or something else entirely different? I would, I would kind of say a shh. What are you going to say? No, go ahead. I was thinking, I think, like a shortened version of the Ohio. That's oh. what I was going to say, okay. too. Yeah. yeah, it was It was like they were singing almost. It was amazing. And at times, they'd be one and then another over each other, like in response. And then at the end of it, it seemed to me like it was a female because it was higher pitched. And she let out a call. And that was it. It was over. They were silent and you could hear a pin drop having having raised a teenage daughter it sounded to me like a teenage girl that was having a fit that's what it sounded to me like but it was very cool and i told kevin i said this is this is very special this is this is unusual i mean we're the only ones here and and here they are just singing away. <laughs> and that was that was pretty cool. We yeah. were there for several nights and we had had an orb, a green orb that we both saw um, one night. Uh, otherwise, there were some a, stick breaks and stuff. I had an orb go across the brim of my baseball hat but, yeah. but i don't think you saw that mm -mm. was this the, the the same the same trip you had this 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 second orb or an additional orb that crossed across the the brim of your hat yeah that was the night before wow. yeah same place night before yeah, yeah we were there like three nights i think so now these orbs uh 
were they did they seem structured were they of a particular shape were they amorphous what color were they etc well the one that i saw i mean it was right at my eye level it was it was tan colored like a like a dark khaki tan colored and it was the size of a quarter and it went across the i mean uh, paralleled the brim of my uh the, the side of my baseball hat and the brim and it had a very distinct electronic mosquito sound to it oh. and we didn't have a fire uh, kevin wanted to go you know complete lights out no fire Dark camp. so we're yep. sitting in pure darkness out there and there's no ambient light or anything out there and then um the other one was the green one and all we had that night was a green glow stick on the tent and but this was not you could see when we were walking down the trail you could see the glow stick over by the tent but in front of us was this green glowing floaty orby thing <laughs> was it the same shade of green or a different shade of green exact same shade of yeah. glow stick wow. yeah because i kept saying that's the no i think sandy kept saying that's the the, the, is, glow that the glow, stick. is that the glow stick it's like no like, the glow stick is right there and i look and i go yeah so it was like maybe a reflection it, of well that's stick. what i'm thinking it could have been a reflection yeah. i don't and know it was at a distance down the trail now this is midnight dark camp no flashlights nothing and there wasn't even a moon and so we were very careful picking our way through the uh down this abandoned logging road and a uh, very heavily treed area and uh then i see this this second uh, uh green light in front of us probably what 40 yards maybe 50 yards to begin with and as we came down the hill closer to camp it matched our stride coming up so as as we continued towards it it continued towards us when we stopped it stopped and it it uh it gained ground on us and it got to the point to where I could feel, you know, when you can tell somebody's coming up from behind you, you, you don't know, you just feel it. Yeah. I could, I could feel if, if I stepped further, I was going to, I was just going to uh, chest bump this, whatever. I mean, there was mass there. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like there was mass there, but all I could see in the darkness was this green orb and this green circle, bright circle, same color as the, as a glow stick, but it had, it was rotating inside you know how a lava lamp moves mm -hmm. it was like it was like a, a clockwise lava lamp that was slowly moving i mean again this is arm's length it was super clear there's no no mistaking or misinterpreting it and uh we're, we're shoulder to shoulder i'm going what is that? what is that looking right at it what is that you know and we were locked on for it seemed like minutes it was probably like 15 seconds it was it was a while yeah, it was more than seconds. And in the dark, I couldn't see anything. But, you know, I instinctively turned to somebody, you know, for an answer. I turned to, to Sandy real quick. I go, what is that? And I turned back and it's gone, just like that. And I don't have that. I don't have that uh, feeling of something in front of me. And we walked forward and there was no sound. It was just like, did we just see what we just saw? <laughs> we did i probably wouldn't have, i probably wouldn't even talk about it if i didn't have a witness with me because it sounds so so bizarre well you can't be blamed for that I, it's, there are a number of things it, thoughts are occurring to me first of all i mean obviously people have all their many different theories about these things some people think it's a spiritual phenomenon some people think it's an extraterrestrial phenomenon of a technological nature uh in in the best 
the best that I can tell, there are actually multiple things that are happening in situations like this. Um, so, so like the explanation for the ball of light is not a, a readily available one. It's not in one easy answer, but it does make me think of a number of things. Actually, you've reminded me of the rotating that you mentioned actually reminded me of uh, South African spheres that were found in deposits that were millions of years old. We're talking like 200 million years old, uh, maybe on, maybe even up to a billion years old. These little metallic spheres found in South Africa, they, they have a spongy material on the inside. They have these grooves around their equator, around the area of their equator. And uh, some of these anomalous little spheres, they're in a South African museum, and they've been observed to rotate on their own axis, completely independent of anything else. And the rotating you mentioned to me, it just, it just made me think of that. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, is, is something like this, like, a, like an inactive version of what you saw? Are these South African spheres an inactive version of what you saw, or is it something else entirely? I don't know. I'm just thinking a lot of thoughts. Yeah, what, yeah. Wow. First of all, I want to know, did, did, this, did this seem sphere-like? It it seemed fluid to me. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it perfectly round. Uh, I wouldn't call it egg shaped. It'd be somewhere in between. And I think it I think it actually kind of would would change shape from from round to oval to somewhere in between. I don't think it was. It didn't seem to be um, have a have a perfect static construction. Yeah, that's kind of the 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 feeling, the impression I got from it. I want, I, you know, I, I want, I, I want to know, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, well, I could throw out theories all day, but really all I know for certain is what I saw, what my eyes saw. And, and part, a big part of this journey is I've learned to believe in my eyes. I'm not going to let my brain take over and say, no, it was this. I know what I saw. It looked, it looked like a, it looked like a clockwise lava lamp about Kind of, kind of, you know, make a like baseball bigger, bigger baseball. than an egg. Yeah, definitely bigger. Maybe baseball. Size. Maybe baseball. Size. Yeah, like yeah. a hardball. Yeah, size. yeah. Okay. Huh. So yeah, and I'm not going to speculate on on what it could be. I know we have there. We've had a lot of. Oh heck, I had a I had a moonlit sighting there this spring. That same in that same camp, uh, forest person sighting. Yeah. So so just because I see an orb there and a forest person there. In the same location, the same camp doesn't mean they're related. Sure, they could be. They they probably well. There I go. You know, but but you know what? You can't discount that that it could be. Yeah, I absolutely respect your stance. In fact, I I caution people to not interpret something that we don't understand. Don't rush to quantify a thing that we haven't right. we haven't completely or properly observed yet. So. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, let's let's not jump to definitions by all means, but you know, I'm just saying it makes me think of a whole bunch of things, it makes me wonder a whole bunch of thoughts and all this stuff. But uh well, it's fascinating. So, what comes next, you guys? Well, I think of that same camp out uh that he and I were on, we went up the valley or down the valley a little bit further and we found this huge, huge teepee structure. Oh, gosh, yeah. That thing was so massively tall. And then right next to it was a very large asterisk that was up off the ground. And it was so unusual. I mean, there's there's no way men push these trees over to, into a center tree. I mean, these things were, what, 30, 40 feet tall? These, oh, the teepee. The teepee, the teepee structure. structure was anywhere between, I would say, 
40 feet long oh. at the shortest and probably 60 feet really plus at the highest. Yeah. So it went above a, a mature, uh, what was that? A ponderosa? No. Mm. I think, mean, yeah, probably a, probably ponderosa pine. Big, fat, mature tree. And one of those, one of those trunks is like a dead tree trunk stuck above the tree canopy. This is a mature uh, forest. And there was a teepee structure built of all these dead uh, tree trunks that surrounded this, uh, this mature tree and leaned up on the, on the healthy, the, the big healthy one. And some had root systems. I mean, it was old rotted, but, but you could tell. And some were placed there. They did not have a root system. So I don't know where those came from, but it was very definitely a teepee. And these, yeah. these trunks were, oh, easily. Because I, I used to cut firewood in high school for money. So I, I kind of know the weight of, of what wood is. And these things were easily a thousand pounds plus. And how they got in that position, I'll never know. And you can't get a tractor in there. And it's in a really yeah. mosquitoy, buggy area. Nobody's going to go up there for fun. You're gonna get you're gonna get eaten alive, and when you go visit that, you gotta you gotta lather up real quick on on um, you know jungle juice or whatever whatever mosquito repellent, and that still just you know stops half of them. And you go in there, take pictures, and get out because it's so buggy. And it's like that uh, a lot of times, most of the year, not all the year, but most of the year. One of the interesting parts about that was it it was in the forest. There was no way a machinery could have gotten in there. Um, there was it was not on a road. It was in uh, the forest. And so even though the road was went, you know, by it, but it was still in the forest. So there's no way a machine out on a road was even long enough or big enough or whatever to reach over through all these trees and place these other trees up against this one center tree. I mean, there were at least, I would say, 10 trees, if not more, that were placed all around this one center tree. And then right next to that was this huge asterisk. And um, it was an incredible find. Um, anybody we take up there, you know, we've always taken it and shown to them because it's like, who and there's no does this? Yeah. There's no explanation. People look at it, their jaws drop. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh! And I'm th I'm thinking about this too. The if if you look at the um, uh, the density of trees in that section of forest, mm -hmm. there is not that number of um, or that count of of trees in such a tight area around there. There's a lot of trees there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's a there's a, a very average number of of uh, very average distance between between tree trunks out there, and What's very unusual, I just thought of this, is the uh, consolidation of so many tree trunks in one area. And when I say one area, I'm talking 20 yards. I, I would say the base of that of that teepee was 20 yards, um, maybe 15. But nevertheless, you don't see that that density of tree trunks anywhere else in that forest. Yeah, so it was it was a lot more concentrated into a small area, and it's it seems it sounds to me like this structure just could not be more obvious. It really, Kevin was driving and I was scanning the forest and I, we went by it and I'm like, stop a minute and go back. And so he did. And, and I was like, look at that. Look at those trees in there. That looks weird. And so we 
pulled over and marched on through the forest. It's 100 yards off the road. And then we were just like, wow, look at that. This is amazing. It, it was it's it was impressive. That that is quite impressive. You've you've mentioned an asterisk. Now, uh, is this like a, a a bundle of sticks like that creates spokes, or what's this asterisk? It is kind of like a, a bunch of spokes. They're, like, like on your they, keyboard. They're all on the uh, they all sit on the ground, but they crisscross. Gotcha. And it is like an asterisk. Well, actually, yeah. in that area, what I've noticed because I've seen that in other locations, but in this particular area, um, I see a lot of them. I see, think all of them at an angle, like maybe a 30, I think the most extreme one was 45 degree angle. Uh, this one was probably between 30 and 20 degrees. None of them were flat. They were leaning up on something. On each other. Yeah. And I don't know if that's significant or maybe it's just easy to build that way, but uh, it, it is a, a, a noticeable takeaway. So uh, a, a 20 to 30 angle off the ground, a th- 20 yeah. to, right, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so- Kevin is six foot three and it was taller than him. Oh, by far, yeah. The, yeah. The, the asterisk it, itself was taller than him? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yes. My gosh. Well, probably probably twice my size, I would say, easy. It was it was very interesting. I mean, it was huge. It was like, wow. And unfortunately, it's deteriorating now. You know, things rot in the forest. But right. we've got our photos, and it's amazing. It was, yeah, at six foot three, it was huge. So it was like, again... What is the what do these symbols mean to them? If it's them doing this, what do the symbols mean? And 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 why are there two together so frequently? All the time. I gotta go get the dog real quick. Yeah, but yeah. so frequently you see two of them side by side or or very nearby. I'll be right back. Now I know Kevin took off, but but two of what exactly? Two asterisks or two teepees or well um he it can be it can be um maybe a big x it doesn't always have to be the teepee but it can be a big x and then maybe something else near it so generally just just two structures found in close proximity to one another is, is what... i think so. i think that's what he's indicating right yeah because i mean it's very easy to you know you and and who knows? Are the X's them too? Is what does that mean? Everybody has a different theory on what they mean, but we really don't know what they mean because they've never sat down and told us what they mean. <laughs> not yet, not yet they haven't. But with your click clack experience, which we'll get to shortly, I mean, you might have the way to 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 resolve these questions once and for all. Well, if they could, yeah. So yeah, the, possibly. But with the click experience, it was all yes and no questions and so it would be having to try and i mean it would be quite the conversation let me just say because you have to actually say do you build the x and either it's a yes or a no um and then how do you say okay what is it what does it mean does it mean don't go does it mean you know this is the magical spot what does it mean does it mean welcome this is a does clan. It mean stay right. the hell out of here don't go you know well i had my own pretty gnarly ex experience just this last june in jackson county oregon uh yeah a, a friend of mine took a took me and another research actually kathy kathy and myself um to his spot where the, the year before the summer before he had camped out there for about six months uh when he was escaping the height of the covid epidemic he went to oh. a 
he went to a remote spot in his RV and he was just hanging out up there. So uh, he had these interactions over the course of six months. And this past June, he took us to that spot. And uh, my friend Kip Torres and I were walking down this very old, very overgrown logging road on this one portion of the mountain. We just went down this road to check out what was going on. We were down there for, I'd say roughly between 15 minutes and 30 minutes. And uh, we walked back up this very old overgrown logging road. And this large, perfect X had just appeared at the side of the road with these two, two very large tree limbs. Uh, it was a perfect X formation. It was just right there. So I don't know. What, what does it mean? It, it appeared while we were there. I, so, that, so that's significant. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. That is really cool. <laughs> I've had one. I've seen one. Uh, one time I was staying at Barb's cabin while she and her husband were on vacation. I was pet sitting. and. So I took the dogs up the trail and and here's this huge X right off the side of the trail. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Barb would have, you know, made mention of this huge new X up there. And a couple of days later, Kevin had come up and some other people had come up. And I said, wait until you see this huge X up here on this trail, off just off the trail. And so we go up there and we're going through the woods and the damn X is gone. Oh, wow. It's completely gone. It's like, well, where's where's the timber? It was gone. I was like, it wasn't it wasn't just disassembled. It was, it was, it was gone. It was missing. It was like, well, <laughs> where did it go? It, I swear, it was right here, and it was totally gone. So just it, just to be clear, how much time had passed since you had seen the X? Two days. Gotcha. And I didn't have my cell phone on me because I was just taking the dogs for a walk, and and I just. Didn't even think to bring my cell phone, so I didn't didn't take a picture of it. But it was it was it wasn't one that I had seen up there before, and, and I used to go up there a lot when I lived closer to Barb, and and then and I know she would have mentioned it. I just knew it. And then um, two days later, they come up and we're going through the forest, and and not only we saw saw the one X across the little ravine. And I thought, well, that looks like it's right in alignment with this other new X. Wait until you guys see this. And we go out through the forest. We're bushwhacking, go through the forest, out onto the trail, go up, and the dang thing is gone, completely gone. And I'm like, oh, it was right here. <laughs> and yet I have no proof because I don't have a picture, but it was gone. The whole thing's gone. But, you know, that is their one of their known habitat areas. and. I mean, we've had, when we were up at that cabin, we've, something slapped that cabin so dang hard mm -hmm. that the little, the little tchotchkes shook, the windows rattled, and it was right above our head, uh, the bed, mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of the night, and the cat is yelling, and the dogs go off, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of an active area there with them. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. It, it you mentioned this slap just above your heads, where your heads were uh, in bed, uh, this, yeah. the, the corresponding area on the wall. Is, is there any way where they could look in the windows and see where your heads would be? Would, would they have been able to, to determine this on their own? Well, they could have when Barb is there because she's never changed her 
bed. It's always on the same wall. And she always leaves the drapes open, the curtains open, and she always has the window open just a little bit for fresh air. So I'm sure that they've looked in there and seen her. She has a window on both sides of the room. And so I'm sure that they looked in there and they know where she sits and watch TV. Um, But when I was there, I closed the window. I closed the curtains. I didn't want them <laughs> looking <laughs> at me. I didn't want to look up and see a big eyeball looking in, you know. And um, and actually, where they hit us over, you know, hit the side of the cabin, it was probably what eight feet off the ground. Went from the outside, mm-hmm. um, and it was the loudest. I mean, it was massive. It was a huge slap. And it it didn't just happen. There was a not a warning, but it, you could hear the slide like. Like yeah. something was sliding across the outside wall, just on the other side of the headboard. You hear sliding on the uh, on the side of the wall, and then a pop, bam, or a bam to whatever. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't just a bam. It was like boom. So like like they were dragging their hand along the wall, and then they slapped the wall. Is is that what it yeah. seems like? Exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it appeared to be. Yeah. What it sounded like. What it sounded like. Wow. Like there was no, there was no uh, <laughs> uh, surprise intended. They wanted us to know that they were there. That, that this was coming. It was like you know, her vehicle wasn't there. Mine was. Kevin's was there. They knew something was different, and it was like, okay, we there's somebody new here. Let's play with them. I mean, that <laughs> it was like the the yeah that wasn't that wasn't i mean within an hour after the the big thud on the ground outside to where the cabin shook um it was less than an hour and so this is like in the two three o'clock a.m range and so i was still uh awake not not totally not totally awake but not eyes open awake but and then uh and then the slap hit happened or the slide hit happened and then sandy says okay guys that's enough we need to get some sleep and it was totally quiet the rest of the night well that's awfully considerate i know Uh, well i have a tendency to tell people or tell them or whoever what i need from them and how i'm going to get it so (laughs) good good yeah i've 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 heard of people establishing boundaries like that i think that's a really good idea yeah you you got to Right. Yeah. When dealing with giant wild beings who are very intelligent, it, it might be a good idea to set a little, set some boundaries. Yeah. Early on, I would, um, well, with my first sighting, I learned because I, I would go up to Barb's area a lot and just go out hiking in the forest by myself. And then when I had my first uh, encounter with a very large being, uh, my first visual, I was quite shaken by that, and I didn't want to go back in the forest. It was just too overwhelming, too much. It was my, my, the myth was now a reality because now I saw it. I could listen to my sister's experiences. I could listen to Scott. I could go to meetings and listen to people talk freely and openly about these things. But when I had my experience, then, you know, excuse my French, but shit got real. And, um, and I didn't want to go back out to the forest again. And it was a friend of mine from Missouri that said, Sandy, if you don't go back and look for evidence, 
then even though you know what you saw, wouldn't it be nice if you found evidence to corroborate what you saw? And I was like, I don't need evidence. (laughs) (laughs) But I know I got over myself. I talked myself into going back up there the very next day and and finding a partial print um, and measuring how far from the road, this old dirt road I was on, where I saw this being standing. And I mean, he was very huge. And um, and so, yeah. I remember going around saying, I want to see, I want to see a force for, you know, I didn't call them force people. I want to see a Bigfoot. I want to see a Sasquatch. I want to see one. I want to see one. And then I saw one and it was like, I don't ever want to see one again. No, 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 no. I don't need to see one again. And so, and then I, as time went on and I kind of regained my composure and I would go start going out in the forest again. I never, I don't like going out there by myself, but if I take a dog with me or another person with me, I'm much braver. And so I would then say, okay, let me be very clear about my intention. I, I wanna see you again. However, I wanna see you at a distance, you know, over there. Don't scare me. I I just got to be where I would set my intention uh, and I would try to be very clear about it because I didn't want to be afraid. And and I tell campers that all the time, be very clear about what you're asking for because they are listening or they know your intention. They know. And so I want them to be respectful. I'll be respectful to you. Please be respectful to me. Um, I want to see you. I want to see you at a distance. I want to interact with you. I want to see you whistle. I want to see you make a call. I want to see you build a structure. I want to see your family fishing or, you know, the old wood wood knock thing. Um, Even though I know they're not knocking on trees, I'm pretty sure they're not knocking on trees. It's mouth pops or something or body slaps that they're doing. But I want to see that. I want that kind of interaction. So I've learned to not only set boundaries, but be very clear about what my intentions are when I'm out there in their home. You know, you've you've said some things that kind of, uh, they trigger some thoughts. So what makes you so sure? First of all, I, I immediately after I ask you this, I have to know about this visual sighting and everything I can learn about that. But, but first, what... Uh, what makes you so certain that they're not doing wood knocks? What makes you so certain that it's mouth pops or body slaps? Well, you know, Kevin has gotten into the audio portion and he does a lot of um, recordings when we're out in the forest. Now we have a parabolic microphone. And so he takes it out and he will do, um, he captures audio. Now, not always is there something there, but a lot of times there are sounds there. There can be talking, there can be um, what we think are wood pops or snaps or or clicks or those those out of the ballpark uh, baseball type whacks. But then when you are walking in a certain forest, and this just happened, when was that? When we figured this, probably figured this out. This, this last, last summer year? during the heat wave. Oh, yeah. We were, we, we spent a number of nights. And this was a, uh, a an old um, reprod forest. 
a mature reprod forest. It's on the it's on the um, Washington coast. Uh, I don't know if it'd be considered a rainforest, but you ask me, it's yeah, it, it gets a lot of rain, and uh, all the sticks, all the, the the ground debris, it was rotted. Every you could not find. We had a difficult time. This was this was like uh, our our campout spanned um, the uh, the fire band. So the first half of the first half of the uh, campout, uh, we could burn, and I couldn't find anything to burn. Everything was so rotted and soft as far as a uh, kindling material. And you go walking through the forest, and I started making a note of this. You couldn't find any any um, stick substantial enough to uh, to hit and make any kind of resonant sound at least at at the most more than once you could not do it more than once and then and then we had one night where there they entered camp we had three different individuals entering camp and they were in camp for hours and they were popping and and the uh the stick knocks and the stick and Kathy was there. Kathy could, if, if you camped with her, she could, she could explain it too. They were, they were close. They were far. They would, they would move. Oh my goodness. Could they, I mean, that's another story as far as speed, they can move like uh, not quite lightning, but pretty damn close, but you could, but the, the stick knocks were so consistent in, in volume and tone and tenor that there's no way it's a stick. It has to be, they they have to be able to carry it with them, you know, on their person. And if that means if that means a, a chest pop or hand pop or or lip smack, I don't know. But it, it it's got to come from them. I I can't believe that the ground debris is capable of such consistent um, stick knock noises. And it went all night, not all night, but it went many many hours and. I mean, I was yeah. awake. I was awake to hear that. It was uncomfortable to sleep because it was so hot. So it, it was an easy, easy, you know, stay awake night. And uh, and the audio recordings uh, confirmed that. I got the audios, uh, reviewed the audio afterward, and, and it it confirmed. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't dreaming. It it was it was every bit as what I had heard, what we had heard. Well, it started with us being around our um, nondescript. Because we had a propane fire pit, fire ring. And so, and we play instruments. So Mitch had his guitar out and he was playing his guitar and singing. And you had a microphone in the kitchen area as well as out in the forest. And the the pops and the snaps started right away. Right outside if, out of the if campfire was, light. If he was playing and we were talking, they were snapping and popping. If we stopped, like, you know, did you hear that type thing? And everybody stops, they stopped. Yeah. So we got to where, you know, you don't even, you know, you don't stop. You there, just, there's a lot of winking going on around yeah. the cabin and head and head nodding. Like, you know, uh, there, it came, came from that way. Mitch, but but we kept going. Yeah. Mitch would be singing. I heard that. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was, and yet you walking through the that forest, it was so soft that you could not get a stick to pop or break, and and yet here it is. I mean, uh, uh, for hours, hours and hours, and that these things went on, and they weren't just around our tent, or the, they were around all of our tents. 
And so there had to be at least three different individuals. And, 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 and okay. if I can interrupt, yes. the, way, the reason why I say three is because you could hear it happen so often. I could hear at least yeah. the difference in intonation. One guy had a little bit deeper uh, uh, stick knock and the other guy, which I, I think was younger, had, had a very consistent but higher pitched stick knock. And the one over by Kathy had a different one. That and that one was more quiet, but uh, by Kathy's tent, but uh, had a different, had had a signature knock, and they were very consistent. You could tell who was who. You could tell if if the one that was hanging by our tent went over to Mitch's, and vice versa. And everybody had kind of their own. We had our own guy. <laughs> Mitch had his own guy, and Kathy had her own guy yeah. that was just hanging around their tent. Yeah, it was very cool. So when you start listening to this audio, um, you know, it tends to tell a story because if you're, you know, you're out there and you're outside your camp area and you start walking around and, and observing and look at the, the fauna and the flora and the, you know, just the habitat in general where you are and you start making your observations and then you hear these things, it tells a story. and. It wasn't an elk. It wasn't uh, a deer. It wasn't a skunk. It wasn't an opossum, you know, or a raccoon. Um, I mean, this stuff, just, <laughs> this stuff just, it, it, so, yeah, it, it just is not sticks. They're not, they're not whacking sticks on a tree. I mean, it's just not possible. So. My gosh, this is so fascinating. You know, I've, I've been looking a lot into various ways of making sound. I've been exploring different types of sound that are made. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn a lot about polyphonic overtone singing, um, dual harmonics and subharmonics, you know, high sounds, low sounds. I'm trying to absorb all of it and, and, and see how much of it applies or, or is used, is utilized by the Sasquatch. I mean, these sounds are made in any number of ways. I just wonder, have you, have you ever heard anything from them that makes it sound like they're producing two tones at once uh at the same time you know I've, well while he's thinking about it i mean i've i've heard like conversations oh. you know where one is one it seems a higher pitched one is chattering and the other one a lower pitch is chattering and they will kind of talk over each other like humans do sure but yeah, yeah so i've heard that kind of a thing and what about the recordings in the Blue Mountains. Oh my gosh! It yes. almost we had we had both <laughs> great audio recording, and we had oh maybe a dozen campers that witnessed this. Um, it was 20, 25 minutes worth of of um, back and forth howling, and the one who I think was probably male. I think I think it was a male and female. We think, and there might there's probably a third one, but third the the yeah, the third male perhaps, but the 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 more dominant one. It's like he had a second gear in his in his howl. He would do a very long monotone howl, and every so often, it's like a second gear, or uh, you know, people will call it uh, polyphonic. You just mentioned is that is that like two voice boxes, two uh, uh, two tones or, pr produced at once? Yeah, it's, it's where uh, basically your the the tone the fundamental that is produced by the voice 
actually carries all the different tones in it, but then you 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 find a way to isolate uh, a particular tone. So you're 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 producing the fundamental and, and the overtone at the same time. So it sounds like you're producing two tones at once. I I think we heard that. I'm pretty sure we heard that. I I want to call it like a second gear, but you're you're driving. It's it's going at one at one uh, tone and volume, and then all of a sudden it just with with, with no ramping up. It's just boom. There's a second one right there, but from the same source. Wow. We should do um, maybe a clip of that so you can hear what we're talking about. This was this is in the Blue Mountains, and this was in uh, June, and um, we were all all the campers were around the campfire, and Kevin had set up his audio recording up on a hill behind camp um, the equipment. And so from across the other direction, across this valley and the mountain, mountain range, we're up on the top of this mountain range, um, this, this call starts. This, it sounds like a male, and he's just screaming over there. And then uh, it sounds like a female is answering from another location. And then at one point, it sounds like a third individual male starts calling and while that's all going on we're listening we're actually standing up the campers get up turn around and we're all facing this direction and listening to this but at the same time on the the uh audio equipment the recorder is picking up another individual it sounds like they're rearranging the force back up on this mountain it's like and so you don't hear that part until you start listening to the audio recording um but it was it went on for like you can listen to it and we start talking around camp as they're kind of quieting down and the whole thing goes on for 35 minutes and it's just this male screaming and calling and this female calling back and then it sounds like maybe another male going well hey what about me i'm over here i can do a little honey tonight right. you know? <laughs> and the other male is like no that's my girl you get no i'll come down there and i'll kick your butt you know right yeah nice try <laughs> nice try yeah and so it, that was that was amazing that was amazing. You guys have some cool stuff. Sandy, I, I promised that I was going to have to come back and ask you about that visual sighting. Can, are, you, are you prepared to talk about sure. it? Or? Yeah, so I uh, have been going up to the Cascades, um, the lower Cascades, um, just outside of the little town of Greenwater. I would go up there. I had different gifting sites over time, and I'd go up there as much as I could on the weekend. And and, you know, check them all. And I had gone to this meeting and this Native American gentleman, um, his name was Adrian, um, at a meeting. He'd sit across the table from me and he goes, so where do you go? And I said, oh, you know, I go up past Greenwater into the Cascades. And he's like, oh, do you ever go to a place called Skookum, Skookum, what Flats. was that? Skookum Flat. And um, I said, no, I, I had never been in there. And he said, well, you know, they don't call it Skookum for nothing. And I said, well, you know, sometime I'll have to check it out. Well, I was in the car the next day and <laughs> there. And I stopped in the store and told Barb where I was going. And she gave me a little map of things to check out. So 
I go on up and I'm thinking, well, you know, I could, it's still daylight. I got time. Maybe I'll run up to that Skookum Flat area. So I did. And I totally missed the little sign that said Skookum Flat Trail. And I'm and I'm just driving along. And he said there was a creek. And so I'm driving along and the creek looks more like a river. And I'm like, well, this can't be it. But I'm just driving along and I'm way out there. Nobody knows I'm out there but me. Um, and I have this little gold colored Camry and I'm just putzing along at, you know, five, I don't know, five to 10 miles an hour. I'm just coasting along. And I come to this area that had all these white uh, barked alder trees. And I think they're so pretty. What, what time of year was this? Uh, this was in October. Okay. And, um, and it was still daylight out. And I'm driving, you know, just coasting along. And here's these alder trees. Well, here's this huge, very dark individual standing there. And I'm like, what in the hell is that? And and I'm just coasting along and I'm totally entranced by this individual. And I'm talking to myself going, well, that can't be. And then it's like, well, you're up here looking for them. Why can't it be? And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I'm a few. I mean, a lot of words came out of my mouth. And they weren't all, you know, nice words. It was like, yeah, it was in total disbelief. And I, I coasted, I mean, I saw it. I looked at it uh, out my passenger window. I looked back at the road to make sure I wasn't driving off the road. And I kept coasting by it. I never stopped the car, didn't even think about stopping the car. I turned and looked out my back passenger window and it was still there. And then this little fir tree came in and blocked my view from him. And then I decided to stop the car. Um, I got myself turned around real quick, went back, and the black figure was completely gone. And I'm and so I, I kept going back and forth up and down this little X section. And there's no stump. There's it's just this brush, green brush, low lying, and and these beautiful white trees. And I'm like. Oh, my Lord. What I fixated on was, I mean, from the car, the next day I went up and I measured, he was only 30 feet from the car, um, 30 feet from the road. And um, I had a clear visual visual of him. Um, I said it was a him because he was just so massively big. His shoulders were so broad. That's what I focused on was the size of his shoulders. Um, his head, um, it had kind of the cone shape, but his hair stood up on end. It was like bristled. And um, and then the, the shoulders, there was no neck. His head came down. There's this massive shoulders. His arms came down. I could see the green of the brush between the body and his arms. Um, I followed his arm down to look for fingers or, you know, fingertips. I couldn't see them. Um, so they were longer than in, into the, the foliage. Um, so I saw him probably down to his hip area. But I, I, when I was on, in my car, I looked directly out at him. He was very tall. 
and there was a little embankment. You go down over this embankment and there was a little kind of a stream you had to cross and then some greenery and these alders. And then beyond that was what was supposed to be a creek, but it was more like a raging river in October because um, of rains. And and I what I think happened was my car was very quiet. He didn't expect anybody to be there. I certainly didn't expect to see anything, but I I would think that the river, well, the creek, it was raging. Um, so I think it drowned out my motor and I think it surprised him and his hair bristled mm. uh, because that's what I saw. His hair was standing on end. Um, that's kind of what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. How, how tall was his hair as it was bristling? Um, you know, I, I would say, I, I don't know, inches. I really don't know. I don't know. I just remember it being uh, pointed up like a bristle. And the width of his shoulders was just amazingly huge. And I was just like, then I was like totally not, not in the moment anymore. I was like, my mind was completely blown that I had possibly seen this a Sasquatch, a Bigfoot, that they really do exist. My everything I thought was true was now different. My whole paradigm shifted. And it was pretty traumatic for me. Um, I drove home and it wasn't until I got I was on I-5 at the Tacoma Dome and I thought of my camera. And my camera was sitting in my passenger seat. <laughs> and I never even thought to pick up the camera. And it wasn't until I was at the Tacoma Dome, I was like, oh my God. So I drove, went on home, um, called a couple people that night, called uh, Scott, called my sister, called a couple of friends. And um, they were like, well, yay, Sandy, congratulations. You saw your first Bigfoot. And I'm like, how come this doesn't feel celebratory or joyful to me it didn't feel good at all so it was a very long you know it, it took it took time for me to kind of get past all that stuff but I went um I was helping uh at a conference put on a conference and I was emceeing a conference and um, there was a, a gentleman that came in. We were all having breakfast one morning, some of the speakers, and a gentleman came in and sat down across from me and that he was a, a hypnotist and I in Oregon. And I said, oh, my gosh, what a great idea. I said, can I make an appointment and come down? I'll drive down and I want to get hypnotized and see if, if my subconscious remembers more than my conscious mind about this experience. So I did. And um, he let me record the session. And I actually saw this individual out my front windshield, which I hadn't remembered. Um, I, as soon as I came into the trees, I saw this being standing there. And, and everything that had probably come out of my mouth is on this recording. Uh, <laughs> and um, because I was trying to talk myself out of what I was seeing. And um, and so I had a very long visual on this 
being. And I think you know, he just froze. He didn't expect me to be there. He froze. And um, yeah. So I thought that was a very, it was very interesting to, to kind of revisit that. It was very emotional, but I did it anyway. And I, and I'm glad I did it because I, rem, I, rem, I had more detail subconsciously than consciously. I saw his brow line, his eye, the sun was behind him. It hadn't gone over the mountain yet. So the sun was behind him. That's why I could, you know, see his outline so well and his bristly hair. I saw the brow line. I didn't see his eyes. They were more deep set. I saw his chest. He was very chiseled. His muscles were very chiseled. And, and again, those shoulders were just amazingly broad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually, a couple of things about that parallel my own experience. First of all, the massive width of the shoulders. As I was standing behind the Sasquatch that I saw when I was 17 years old, I was 15 feet away as he was squatting at the water's, water's edge. And mm-hmm. I, I called down to him. I said, hey, what are you doing? And, and at that point, he straightened his back. And I could see just the massive width of his shoulders. And I could see his enormous trapezius muscle that just went right mm-hmm. from the lateral deltoid right to the base of his skull. And, yeah. uh, and it just, just ridiculous trapezius muscle. And, and right at that moment, the hair, right as he straightened his posture, the hair on his shoulders bristled. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh. Yep. Cool. That's How right. long was the hair? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was a matter of inches. I don't know. You know, yeah. we, we have had this theory this summer, but we've never heard of anybody other, other than right now yeah. that, that has, uh, you know, I had the same experience. Discuss, discuss the bristled hair. Yeah. When I mentioned it once before, um, one of the people said, no, you know, the one I saw, the hair went back. And I was like, well, that was the one you saw. The one I saw, it was standing up on end. It was like, it bristled. It was like, oh, shit. Can I say that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can, you can, use, you can use whatever language you want on this podcast. Okay. okay. So, so that's interesting. That's fascinating. It is. It is. I knew your guys were going to like that. Oh, the bristling. I do. There's a little connection I, there. It is. It's a great connection. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. All right. I think it, at long last, it is time to finally get into your, your uh, collective Q&A with Click the Forest Person. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, gosh. So this happened in May of 2018. And we were at a camp out again in the lower Cascades. And we camp at about 2,400 feet um, in this one area. And we know it's their habitat. There's been sightings in there and lots of experiences in there. And so uh, we were at a camp out with a group of people and um, we were camped just off of a game trail, kind of like right on the game trail. Well, yeah, we were kind of right on a game, which is not a good idea, but. But we uh, were there. But we did. I mean, we we kind of put the tent aside, but still, it's not advisable, but we, you know. Yeah, sure. I I hear you. So we have a tendency to do drumming around our campfire, and campers bring drums or guitars or different, you know, it can be a harmonica, it can be anything. We're we're talking native drums. Yeah. And so we're all sitting around the campfire and Kevin decides he's going to go to bed early because he likes to get up and do really early morning observations and walks around 3 30 4 o'clock in the morning so he goes off 
to bed and I'm sitting there with the campers and we're all playing the drums and it's horrific. It's horrible. It's the worst drumming you could even imagine out in the forest. It sounds terrible (laughs) and nobody's keeping a beat. They're just wailing on their drums. And this one gentleman, Tom says, Hey, everybody, you think we could just kind of like get a beat, you know, just start off with a beat. God bless them. And so we all, you know, everybody stops and we all follow suit. And we're just now into a really beautiful, just lovely drumming session. And um, and then he loves to do drumming. Tom does. So he's off doing, you know, he does his little drumming thing. And so then I go to bed. Uh, I excuse myself, go to bed. And I, I um, get into bed. and. Um, as I'm dozing off, Kevin has been now awake and he's listening to something behind the tent. So I'll let you take over from there. Well, there was, uh, the, uh, yeah, the drumming stopped, which I was very thankful for. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, so I, I'm still awake and I could, I could hear Sandy starting to, you know, really slow down and, and drift off and we had a gifting site probably uh 20 yards from the tent and part of that included uh marbles and i could hear what sounded like if you put marbles in your hand and you and you just kind of wipe your hand and hear that that uh clacking together not clacking but that that uh yeah kind of clacking i guess i heard that i heard that noise and it's like what's everybody's everybody's gone to the gone to their tent and uh or most people have and I thought that was really odd. And uh, then I heard this clicking noise between two individuals. And you could tell, I mean, one, like I mentioned before, one had a had a signature. It was just like my voice is different than Sandy's, and you can tell the difference. Uh, it, it was the same kind of a thing, but it was it was clicking like a like a mouth click. Uh, your your tongue on the top of your on the top of your the roof of your mouth, like like that. I have a hard time doing it unless you have, uh, you know, uh, drinking water. It's really, yeah, like that. But it was, it was very, very crisp, very clear, very controlled. And um, you could tell they were going back and forth. And it's like, I, am I hearing this? And I've never, I never heard of clicking in Sasquatch related at all, ever. But I could tell this was, there was two. And they were, they were by the gifting site. And uh, they were coming closer. And I I am just at this point very hyper aware of everything. I mean, to where you can feel the temperature on your skin, you can different than the temperature on your face. That kind of a that kind of high hypersensitivity of everything that's going on in your world right now. I don't know. If, are, are you a hunter? No, I'm not. But I can certainly appreciate the the kind of experience you're talking about where you're just everything is heightened and you're just super aware because, you know, you're stimulated on that instinctual level, it sounds like. You are at that point, you're, you're very instinctual. It's not I don't know if there's adrenaline flowing. But it's almost, I don't think there was, but it's like, it's as if adrenaline is flowing. You're just that, you're just that in tuned and focused on whatever it is just outside the tent at 30 yards and closing. And he's coming closer and coming closer. And I could hear at this point, as he got closer, I could tell he was off the ground, like, like maybe five feet, six feet tops. And uh, at some point, the, the second one, 
the the um uh, what do you want to call it the younger one or the the one with the with the lower tone uh stopped progressing and the other one seemed like it was it was i got the impression it was curious and kept coming towards the tent very slowly my intentions were i want to know what this is i'm not afraid uh i'm not excited i'm curious as hell i'm in awe and come closer i mean that's my intentions come closer i want to know what you are and at this point i'm i'm elbowing uh sandy in the ribs trying to get her to wake up <laughs> and she and she hears it and uh it comes down closer now it's like two to three feet off the ground almost like if it's if it was a forest person i don't know what this was okay um we've had a lot of forest people activity there we've had sightings in that area over the course of years it is very consistent we've had we've had um vocals uh i don't i never saw anything or anybody so i'm not going to say this is a forest person but what i will say is that this clicking noise went from five feet to three feet to two feet right in front of the tent and i'm laying down we were on a uh a foam mattress so i'm on the so i'm on the ground my head is probably you know up on my elbow is probably 18 inches off the off the ground and and this thing is at eye level with me okay it's it's pitch black it's what 10 o'clock it's not that late 10 11 o'clock at the tops and uh and he's clicking just on the other side of the tent wall and boy oh boy i have so so one of the interesting things was when as the individual was approaching kevin even though we're laying on this four inch pad this memory foam pad he felt like he was being scanned there was lights that came into the tent these little twinkle lights filled the tent and he felt like he was being scanned and he um i'm looking at my notes that's why i know this but he was um he said it was like just this energy that kind of washed over him like wanded is like it wanded yeah. over me but it never touched the ground it was like it stopped just before like that last inch as it scanned his body like millimeters yeah before it reached the the pad and and you yeah. were you were saying wanded right kevin w-a-n-d-e-d -E -D? yeah it's like it's like a like a scan. It was like 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 a, a, a scan. It was maybe six inches wide, I guess, and you could feel that scan down you, and then back, and then down you, and back. And it didn't go all the way. It went to my ankles. I'm pretty sure. Didn't go to my feet, and then and then came back up to my. I don't think it covered my head, but it came up to my shoulders and neck, and then went back down. It was your earlobes to your ankles, and it, you okay. described it like okay. a warm wave of energy washing over him. And, um, and it flowed through him twice mm -hmm. um, and then over his legs once again. But at the same time, you saw these twinkle lights inside the tent and he said they were grayish white mm -hmm. when they were yellow, yellow sparkles over me. Um, and at that point, I turned over on my back to see if I could see him then. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't see him. Yeah, so. It was distinctively different over Sandy versus over me. Wow, which I thought was, was uh, yeah. I, I don't know how to explain that. I don't know what that means, but I'm just telling you what my eyes saw. Okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So then at that point, it was about you know trying to talk to them, and uh, Kevin and I would whisper back and forth, 
And, um, and I was very calm. You were very calm. And he's got this beautiful, deep voice. And it was, there was no fear at all. It was just this experience that seemed really natural. And it seemed like whoever was clicking outside the tent wanted to have the same experience that we wanted to have. And it felt safe. It was, it was not, uh, it was not, um, it, it wasn't like a friend type uh, conversation. It was more like a, uh, um, a father and somebody else's son type of feeling the way you would talk to somebody else's son. That's, that's the way the, the relationship felt. Yeah. And, and so, and so I'm talking as such, and I, I've been a, was a boy scout scout master for many years. And so, and so I know how that, how that relationship and how that conversation and how that, uh, how you have to, uh, guard your words or just, just choose your words wisely, simply. And, um, and so that's what I did. And, and I would talk to him and there'd be a click in it. You know, in response, and I was questioned, there's a click in response, but there was really no uh, bond there. It was like, it was like he was talking something forward, I was talking something forward, but we were both okay with it at that point. Just having a conversation. Yeah, but nobody knew what, what we were saying. Well, he started asking, so Kevin would ask things like, you know, what is your name? And there would just be complete silence. And then, um, but he had heard him clicking. Um, and so you, you said that you really liked his clicks. And um, at one point you asked if he, if you could call him click mm -hmm. and whoever this little individual was, um, when he asked, can I call you click? He clicked. Yeah. And so um, then it was like, okay, I'm going to call you click. And he clicked. <laughs> and so then he, you know, Kevin said, uh, you know, Sandy's with me. Do you know Sandy? And there was silence. And then um, the conversation just started and it became very apparent quickly that if you asked an open-ended question, there was just silence. But if you asked a yes or no question, he would click or be silent, or there would be a pause with maybe a, you know, just a little click. So we took that as the click meant yes, silence meant no, and the pause with a click meant maybe or possibly or didn't really understand the question and Kevin would have to rephrase it. Hmm. So he started out by saying, you know, our, our, he, he just, he felt like it, we, we were talking to a forest person out there. So he'd say, are you a boy? And the individual would click. You mm -hmm. asked if he was which a girl. Meant, which means yes. Yeah, he would ask, are you a girl? And there'd be silence. Which would be no. So Kevin would say, so you're a boy. And he would click. And then Kevin asked, how old are you? And there were two clicks. And then a Oh, that's an open-ended question, too. That was, I, 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 I failed at my own rules at that point. I know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, this just came out of the blue. So you're, you're flying by the seat of your pants. So there were two yeah. clicks. And then a slight pause and another click. So Kevin is like, so you're two or three? And the individual clicked twice. And so Kevin said, so you are a boy and you are two? And he clicked one. And then it was like, do you have a brother? Click. He clicked, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a sister? Silence. No click, yeah. So you have a brother? Click. Yes. So I, I, wanted, I wanted to make sure that I'm not misinterpreting 
And so that's why I kind of doubled up on the questions just to just to, for confirmation's sake. And then we, you know, he asked, you know, do you like apples? Click. Would you like an apple? Click. And that was a fast click too. Like, like, bring it on. <laughs> Give me an apple. I want yeah, an apple. apple. <laughs> he said, so, you know, Kevin says, okay, we'll leave you an apple. And Kevin had a hammock outside because he liked to sleep in the hammock um, once in a while. And so, um, so he, he told me leave an uh, apple in the hammock for him. And he thought that was a great idea. And so, um, and then you asked if, if we could, uh, should leave an apple for the brother mm-hmm. and he clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you said, okay, we'll bring you an apple tomorrow. Right. Can we talk about Mitch walking by? Oh yeah. 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 Hey. Yeah. We'll get there. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's see. So you told him that you would leave an apple in the morning before the other campers got up and mm-hmm. he clicked. So yeah. that was okay. And, and then you said, okay, we'll leave an apple for you and your brother in the hammock. And then you said, tell him about, he's, so uh, the touching. He said, I can't see oh, you through the oh, tent. Wait, Can wait. you see me through the tent? And there was silence. So we took it as a no. But we also noticed that there was a dull white light that would shine on the roof of the tent, like someone was coming up with the trail. But you could never see the limbs of the trees shining on the tent, on anywhere on the tent. So it was like it was below the trees, but there was a dull light that would kind of shine on the outside of the tent, which was interesting. Now, we don't know what that was, but there's a light phenomenon that we keep witnessing as we're in their habitat. So we don't know what that is, but it is interesting. And I'm sure other people must have that same light experience, but it was very odd. So um, it was, I think, at that point, when he, when he had moved around the tent. Well, I, w- I want to talk about Mitch. Okay, tell him about Mitch okay. going by. Another camper goes by. Our Mitch was one of the uh, one of the drummers, one of the better drummers, actually. And, and he was late to go to bed. And, and his he was the only tent. He had the only tent that was past our, uh, our tent on the game trail. And um, at this point, uh, you know, he was, uh, click was down low near me on the other side of the tent wall and uh he had gotten up and i could hear him still on my side of the tent wall but you could hear him at the five foot level at my foot like he was he was towards the game trail and then all of a sudden we see we hear uh mitch walking by and mitch had his his uh headlamp down and facing away he didn't want to he didn't want to blare our, our our tent he was being very respectful as he's quietly walking by and then click stopped. Mitch walked by, and again, we're on the game trail. And so Mitch is on the game trail. We're on the game trail. Click was probably arm's length away from Mitch. Mitch didn't see or hear a thing. He just kept going. And uh, <laughs> after that, and it got it got real silent for you know maybe 10, mm-hmm. 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden we heard him click again at that corner. And then he walked around on the game trail, and then he was on the kitty corner corner of the uh, tent, and he eventually made it uh, what 270 degrees around the tent. Yeah. So he 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 completely went silent, and had one of our campers walk right by with an arm's length, and uh, that camper had no idea. 
And we weren't going to give him up either. We had no way. <laughs> no. <laughs> we were having this conversation with some little being out there and we weren't going to give it up. You know, it was like, we want this to continue. Yeah. And so when it positioned itself above our heads, then that's when you talked about touching through the tent. Right. Right. Cause I've had, I've had, uh, I've been had late night, late night encounters where I've been touched before doing solo camping. And so I wanted to recreate that. And I asked him because he's all the way, he, he did a, he did a complete, almost a 360 at this point. And so he's at the head of our tent and he's low, like 18 inches off the ground. And we're chatting back and forth. He's open-ended questions. And I said, and I'm the way I'm laying down, I've got my hand and my arm kind of laid out across the tent wall. Anyway, I said, you know, if you want to, you know, my hand's right here. You can, you can touch me if you want through the, you know, through the, uh, tent wall and uh the tension i liken the tension to your very first kiss of a woman and there's that tension that is just burning and is <laughs> it is thick as peanut butter and it's just it's so tense and that's that's kind of tension was going on and it's like it's like i know you're there i know you want this I'm scared. You're scared, but we got to do this. And that's, that's the kind of tension it was. It was amazing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love that. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, it was a first kiss, wasn't it? Yeah. First touch. (laughs) But he he never did touch me. What he did, because I had my hand spread out, something, something poked me through the tent between my fingers, did not actually touch my finger but it poked through in between my fingers. You could feel it, you know, go, go in between your fingers. And I start giggling to Sandy and I go, he's right there. He's right there. And then he does it real quickly. A second time. Second poke. you know you can get such a feel for his personality too as, as we go through this whole experience you can actually sense the personality of this individual you kind of can mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah he's adventurous he's cautious uh he's curious um yeah exactly right right a little uh a little mischievous maybe very childlike uh, exactly yeah oh i love exactly. it That's yeah so- well one of the questions we asked was uh you know do you have a father yes do you have you know do you have a mother yes can can we meet your father tomorrow and there is no click at that point it's like oh this guy is uh he's He's just out on his own right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if he gets daddy involved, he's going to get in trouble. He's going to get ass whooped. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You could totally see a little kid right there. You could, you, you could see the whole, the whole negative image of a little kid just left by, you know, the, 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 the positive image of this actual direct experience. You can see the, you know, the impression of this childlike entity just on the uh, other side of the tent. It's so amazing. Oh, yeah, it was. Wow. At one point, well, there's a couple times I had to leave the tent during this encounter. This encounter lasted almost three hours, I think two and a half hours. This was not a momentary thing. The, uh, the, the time between the clicks was not quick. I mean, this is not a back and forth conversation like what we're doing. This is like 
you know, he, we would uh, ask him a question. He would respond five minute, five minute lull. And then we'd have another little volley, five minute lull. So over the course of the time, I mean, it was, it was two and a half hours and he wore me out. But, but the point is there was twice I had to leave the tent. Once I had to settle campers down because they were getting too rowdy with their flashlights. And a second time uh, I had to escort Sandy to the potty tent. Both times he was there. Both times I said, um, we have to leave the tent. We want you to stay here. We want to continue this. Uh, but, but, you know, could you, could you stay here and we can come back and continue? And, um, and it happened. And in fact, in fact, the one time when, when Sandy and I wanted to go to the bathroom, we were debating, should we go or should we not? And this is at this point, 10, 11, 12, this must've been midnight, one o'clock in the morning. We were debating whether we should go. Do we have to go that bad or not? And, um, he's in front He's by the, the door of the tent. And uh, the moment we make the decision, okay, we go. The moment we make the decision, we didn't say anything out loud. Maybe we did to each other. To each other, we made the decision, okay, let's go. At that very moment, you heard this, this um, pivoting in the, in the, on the ground right in front of the tent. As if, as if he was right there, he realized our decision. And more importantly, our decision to leave the tent and expose him potentially. And he pivoted and we heard that movement. I mean, very distinctly. And there was a nine inch, nine inch footprint uh, outside the next morning, right exactly where I suspected he had made that pivot movement and, and repositioned himself to get out of the way. My gosh. I, I thought that was pretty amazing. And even more amazing when we got back, he was still there. Now, now, you know, you settle down, you know, 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes pass after we get back in the tent. We didn't know if he was there or not. And then finally there was like a click, click. Hey, guys, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. yeah. That kind of a thing. Oh, wow. Quite an experience. There, I mean, this is, yeah. this is this is something that could and should be talked about for a long time. But right now, I, I want to know what what are your feelings about his ability to understand you what are your what are your feelings about his does, does he understand english was this a telepathic communication on his part what, what's going on there somehow he knew and yeah the reason why i say that not only did i consciously repeat my questions early on you know trying to be clever and make sure that that you know i'm you know kind of a, doing a double blind thing but when I had to leave the tent at first, because I was really frustrated because the campers were out there flashing lights in the trees and I, I was I was getting really aggravated. And so I kind of stomped off. You know, I told him I'm going to unzip the tent. I'm going to leave. I want you to stay here, that kind of thing. And um, because I was frustrated and excited when I came back, I couldn't remember all the questions I'd asked before. And so quite accidentally, I ended up repeating a lot of the same questions. Every answer was answered exactly the way it was the first time. It was like he could understand. I mean, well, he did. I mean, he understood. We think he understood because of the clicks, and they were consistently the same answers, even when you asked the same question a couple questions in. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, and and it was a really interesting because at one point we asked, well, Kevin, he wouldn't talk to me, but yeah, Kevin. Kevin said, click, are you a Sasquatch? And there was silence. Are you a forest person? It was silent. 
Are you an alien? There was silence. Are you a Bigfoot? <laughs> and then there was a pause with a softer click. And I started to chuckle because I could just envision him, this little guy looking at his feet and, and kind of thinking about the question and thinking, well, maybe. <laughs> and, so, um, and, I, and so Kevin goes, so you like to be called the Bigfoot? And he clicked. And I, and I just thought that was just funny, you know? And then Kevin said, do you look like me? There was silence. Do I look like you? So he would just kind of ask the same question, but turn it, spin it a little. And it seemed like, you know, he understood. There was yeah. silence. Um, he asked if he's ever talked to a person like you before, and he clicked. Had he ever talked to a person like Sandy before? And there was silence. Meaning, meaning a woman. My intention was a yeah. woman. And when you when you asked me the question, do you think he understands English? I think, I, I think he understands intention, mm. because I didn't. In in fact, in, you just you just brought this thought up. Is is I asked him, have has he ever talked to somebody like me before? Now, me could be a human. It could be a man. It could be another animal. But he did click when I said Sandy. I wasn't intentioning. I, I intentioned a woman, but I didn't say that. Yeah. Because of that answer or non-answer, I think I think he understands intention, not not language. Right. And it could be that he was actually interpreting your question. Uh, have you talked to someone like me? Meaning, have you spoken to me? He could have been he could have been he could have interpreted it that way. So he could have been like yeah. saying, well, yeah, I am talking to you. So yeah, are you, have you talked to yeah. somebody like Sandy? Well, no, I'm not talking no. to Sandy. I'm talking to you. Well, it, <laughs> it was very disappointing, let me say. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably taken aback. I was like, whoa. <laughs> my 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 intention, however, now I didn't think about that. You, yeah. you could be right. It could be very yeah. basic. I think a lot of this stuff is way more basic than we. I think we overthink a lot of stuff yeah. in, in this whole world, but uh, the Sasquatch world. But uh, my intention was: Have you ever talked to a woman before? Yeah, there was. And and I asked: Have you ever spoken to somebody in this valley before? The valley that we were camping, and he clicked very confidently. Yeah. So, so I am not the only person that he has clicked with. Yeah, we. You asked him, you know, do you live here? And he clicked. Do you um, even in the snow? And he clicked. And then you asked him if he liked the snow, and he kind of paused with a softer <laughs> click. So you talked to a man like me in this valley, and he would click. Do you live in a cave? There was silence. Do you live in a tree? There was silence. And so it seemed like there was definitely an under, possibly some understanding and an intelligent conversation. So I believe there's an intelligent. I believe there's an intelligent conversation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That that much seems like a very pronounced fact. Like there was an intelligent communication going on for sure. It's uh, it's it's yeah. just I'm just trying to get at the the means by which this conversation is taking place. You know, like yeah. the. Yeah, the level of understanding. There, there are a few clues in there. I mean, a little, a few little interesting suggestions. Yeah, in the in the last moments of this show, I would like to discuss this this light phenomenon. I mean, there's really not much we can do with it because we don't know. But I do want to I do want to point out that this th there is this parallel in a number of phenomena. The, the one thing that you, these phenomena have in common is is that they're all of the unknown. They're all of an extraordinary nature. This, this light phenomenon and the wanding, Kevin, that you mentioned, this of course also happens in alien abduction. And, uh, I'm aware of these sorts of things happening in, in instances of sleep paralysis and all kinds of 
uh, strange interactions with uh, with with other beings and or in astral projection or in the, the rising of kundalini energy. These same sorts of things tend to manifest in each of these phenomena. And I I mean, I mean that, that that's that's not to say that we can use this to define them, but it is it is a common thread running throughout these types of experiences. A lot of parallels for sure. We don't know what they are. We we always wonder, you know, is it just because we're in their territory and their habitat that that we're thinking there the lights are associated with the forest people, or or is it something else? I mean, we don't know. Nobody knows. Part of the light phenomenon of this evening is the yes, we had the the, the sparkles within the tent, but we also had a light on top of the tent. Now we did at one point have campers that were shining flashlights into the woods. And so we would see their lights on the sides of the tent. But you'd also see the leaves or the, the fur boughs and in you the would, shadows. You would see that. But we also we had at least one point during this whole event, again, two, two and a half hours. And uh, the top of the tent lit up, the roof of the tent lit up, but you did not see any. And we were under heavy hemlock and cedar uh, trees. I mean, we were, we were in thick old growth forest and there was no, there was no, uh, stick or branch or needle type outline or shadow. It was just, it was just, um, a dull, bright, moderate, bright light on the, on the, uh, roof of the tent. And, and I, I have no answer for that. And I will say too, when at the end of our, um, of this encounter you know we we were really tired we had to get up in a couple of hours and um as we told click tonight the the tent lit up again with all of these sparkles at the roof again now i have my glasses on and i saw them that time and there were just like thousands and thousands of little prickly lights that just illuminated the top of the tent and none of them were bright they were dull kind of looking yeah, like looking at the stars just i mean just as bright as not the milky way but looking at the stars just tons of them. And then he went down over the hillside and clicking. He was like happy and on his way. You could hear yeah. the vibe because we were on a, uh, the edge of a slope. And uh-huh. and you could hear him, the, the bipedal walking of something going down the hill and clicking. And then a distant click and then a more distant yeah. click. Yeah. It was it was that that whole uh, uh, exit maneuver was really pretty, uh, pretty dramatically cool. Yeah. So with the lights going off in the tent, the sparkly lights, and with his encounter, it it seems to me that was a part of him. They're related. They're related somehow. Yeah. yeah. Now the the dull light from at the top of the ceiling, I don't know. I don't but, know what that is. But when you have this encounter with a being, and it happened at the beginning, and it happened at the end, as we're saying goodbye to click. That tells me it's related to him somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't know, but to me, it kind of makes sense. So it's, it's fascinating. It is absolutely fascinating. And yes, it, it makes total sense that it's related somehow. I mean, it seems like you're being shown, yes, this relates to this, but uh, you yeah. know, not not any specific answers to the nature of that uh, is, is so quite so forthcoming. But maybe that's the next step to, you know. Right. Yeah. Delve into that, whether it's on an intuitive level or an intellectual level or a combination of the two. Maybe that's the next unfolding awareness is the nature of that light and that strange light phenomenon. Yeah, I think that would be a great discussion because we would like to we would like to know, you know, 
if people have, if you could do a show on that, that would be very fascinating. We would definitely want to listen to that because we're trying to figure it out too. You know, we we just have experiences to share. Nobody is an expert. There are no experts in this field. And if somebody says they are, I would say, no, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. you lose so, credibility with me. But so, if sure. you're in the if you're in the woods, if you're yeah. doing the work, if you're if you're getting dirty, if you're getting lonely, if you're getting cold, hot, or wet, then you're doing it right. And that's when you find that's when you find stuff. I was, I'll share this, in my underwear at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of the Blues Mountains looking for forest people, I saw a light phenomenon. I was cold, half naked, a little bit rainy, a little bit of snow, and I'm froze, well, frozen by this light phenomenon for probably 15 to 20 minutes. That's when you, that's when you actually see stuff, experience stuff. And and really know that there there's something out here that I just don't know. I want to know. I don't know if I want to go trudging through the woods in my underwear, but uh, it was a potty break. Okay, I wasn't being. It wasn't anything weird. Okay, <laughs> I get you. I get you. Hey, no no judgment here, Kevin. I'm not. Okay, I I'm not judging. I guess I, I guess I had to back up and and set the stage a little <laughs> bit. Better. But but the point is, those are the kind of counters that I want to hear about. That I that I that I believe people talking about i'm not saying an expert i'm saying i've spent time in the field and other people that have spent time in the field those are the guys i want to listen to because they know what's going on or they have experiences that uh, are carry a greater weight to me than any keyboard warrior mm-hmm. yeah. and the other that experience was the light emanated from the forest floor it shone upwards yeah. and um and it was just up this little hill it was like an old road and off to the side was a great area where i had gone up and looked and said oh this would be a nice camp spot but we chose to go down just you know down below the hill and so he's out there and here's this light it's emanating from the forest floor upwards like a beam and yet there's nothing there but forest floor and then then this is this is 3 a.m too yeah and then you saw it twice again as it was further down the valley Mm -hmm. and it was it was emanating from the forest floor upwards but it was also the same camp out where we saw that tr3b and that little peanut ship uh, whatever it was we could go on and on (laughs) (laughs) well a a couple a couple of final questions though this 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 light going up from the forest floor this was i I believe you said this was actually a concentrated beam right it was it was it was um it looked like two coleman lanterns at each end of a basketball court that's how big it was that's how bright it was the Coleman lanterns were on the ground. This is what I am imagining. If I walked up there, this is what I imagined what I was going to see. I didn't walk up there. Something told me, and I've got other reasons to believe I shouldn't have gone up there. I didn't. But it was only 120. I marched it off. It was 125 yards from us. It was close. And um, But I stared at this for 15 to 20 minutes. It did not move, waver, flicker, no shadows. But it was bright. And it was the size of a basketball court, and it was going on at three o'clock in the morning, and there's nobody else up there. My gosh, oh man, 
Yeah. I want to know what a TR3B is. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So if you look it up, there's not a lot of information on it. However, um, so this is like the second time I think there's been a reported triangular ship that has gone over one of our camp outs and um, and hovered above a camp out. And it's a triangular ship and it has lights on each tip. And then there's um, like a dome in the center of this dark ship, uh, flight flying ship. And it hovers and it also has the ability to cloak itself. So we are, it's broad daylight. We're, we're all talking, you know, we're standing around the camp area. We're all talking and Barb says, oh, there was just a, a bright light in the sky. Um, and I turned and I looked and there was another bright light. I said, oh, I just saw it again. And then I turned back towards her and I see this triangular ship, airship coming across the valley, across the mountaintop. And now there's no trees or anything. We're already on top. And so it's a, and I turn and I go, you guys, look at that. And here is this huge, it was huge, this triangular ships silently coming across the sky and behind it was at first I thought it was like a jet intercept going to intercept or escorting it but it wasn't it was more like a peanut uh like a shelled peanut you know with a peanuts with shells the shell shape Um, and it was blurry and it was it was making the noise it had like an engine of some sort so the noise was coming from that, but not this this triangular ship. And if you look up TR-3B, it is a U.S. top secret ship. It's actually old technology now. It um, So who knows what we have now? But um, this is the second time it has been one of our over our camp outs, which is pretty darn cool. And to actually get to see it. I think that's here. pretty darn suspect. If it's such a secret craft, well, it's if it's supposed to be, why, why have we seen it more than once? I mean, most people are not supposed to see this at all. It's just, and, and the location, it's just like, I, I, it doesn't add up to me. Something. And. It has the, I think I looked it up one time. I got the statistics on it. It's very interesting. You'll find articles from um, the, from Great Britain, from the British. They, they have been, you know, following the development of this ship, but it is a U.S. ship. But you won't find it on any U.S. website. Not a lot. At least the last time I looked. Yeah. And, you know, articles will be posted and they're taken down. Articles are posted and they're taken down. But it's very interesting. It is a huge ship. It has great abilities. Um, and it can, I think it can do a Mach 7. I mean, we figured it out. We could be from our home on the coast to the Blue Mountains within seconds if we forgot something. If we <laughs> forgot a, <laughs> we forgot a sleeping bag. <laughs> It'd be handy to have one of those in the garage, <laughs> wouldn't it? So it, it's a very interesting. So look it up. It's very fascinating. And it looks exactly like what we saw. It is a triangular space looking ship. and But it is a U.S. It is a U.S. ship. Well, I'm absolutely going to look that up. And uh, the the two nights previous to this, uh, people have actually been telling me about triangular craft and and various uh, yeah experiences that they've had with triangular craft. This is like the third day in the row 
that this is mm-hmm. happening, where people are telling me about this. It's one of those synchronicities. It yeah. is. One of the, the first time the campers saw it, um, we have a retired uh, U.S. Air, Air Force uh, gentleman, and he knew it right away. He goes, oh, that's the TR-3B. And everybody looked at him like, what? He's, he goes, a, he's a master sergeant, too. Yeah, and he's like, oh, well, it's, you know, supposed to be top secret, but it's, you know, it's older generation. And so when I got home from the camp out, I looked it up, and sure enough, it was exactly what they described. And then here we are in the Blue Mountains, and the darn thing flies over. And, I mean, it flew from one, from, like, one horizon to the other horizon, and it, it was slow. It didn't care that we saw it. it. It did not care. It was just just slowly flying across the sky. And then there's a little peanut-shaped escort. Escort. Crowd. It was like, well, what the hell is that thing? Mm-hmm. And we tried to take pictures of it. And I think Barb got a couple, but it didn't turn out all mm-hmm. that great. But she did try to get it. Yeah, it just didn't turn out. And the thing was big, but when you take, took the picture, it didn't look like much. I was like, this is weird. Well, that depends on the type of lens you're lo- you're using much of the time. Right. Yeah. Well, if you're using a cell phone at, at 40,000 feet, you're not going to get great. But it was sure. right. I mean, and it was big. So if it was that big where we were standing, this thing, this craft is very large. Wow. Yeah. Well, like you said, you could just, we could just keep going on forever. There's, there's a, endless amount of stuff to talk about. I, I would like to do many future episodes. And you know, what, what I, one of the things I like so much about you guys is that you're not actually trying to get any attention for anything. I just, you know, yeah. you, you, I just asked you guys if you'd be willing to talk and you said yes, just because you just want to just raise awareness. And I love that about you too. I, I, yeah. I really appreciate what, what you, you sharing these incredible experiences with us today. Well, you're more than welcome. They are incredible. And, you know, and people may or may not believe them, but it is what it is. I'm I'm a, a retired nurse, healthcare worker, a former executive director in healthcare. Um, so, you know, it, it my truth is my truth, just like Kevin, but we're out there all the time. And the more time you spend out in the forest, the more likelihood that you're going to have some sort of an encounter with something out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I enjoy going with, with other like-minded folks. I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to convince anybody of anything, but if, if you are curious or you have information, I want to listen to you. And if you want to listen yeah. to me, then that's great too. Yeah. But uh, I just want to learn. I just, I just, there's a, there's a self um, curiosity that, that I've got to know. I don't know why. But, but I, I, I've got to know in any way I can, I can do that or share that if, if anybody wants to, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'm not here to, to push it on anybody, but there's some bizarre stuff going out there. <laughs> oh, you, you have found a sympathetic audience in me, Kevin. I, I... <laughs> well, we'll look forward to meeting you sometime and, and maybe doing a camp out with you or something. That would be fun. We are, we are looking to do a, a North west oregon corner camp out this year we're searching for a site i've got a few that are nailed down but i want to spend you know uh possibly a week uh in i mean i i want to keep going to the places we know but i want to keep expanding to places that we don't know and so that's that's our our goal this year is to find a you know northeast area northeast oregon northwest oregon corner that we like to spend some time uh squatching at beautiful so just, just so you know 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, in the coming months, I am going to be all over the PNW. I'm going to be in Washington for some time, in Oregon for some time, in, uh, in association with a project. So, you know, I mean, there will be opportunities for me to connect with you guys, absolutely. And I can't wait to come up there and hang out with you guys and check out That'd some great. cool stuff. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. I'd enjoy it. Yeah, excellent. Good. Well, I look forward to it. Well, well, we'll do it, Sam. Sounds good to me. It, it, it's coming good. up in the near future. Well, good. Sandy Nelson and Kevin Carney, thank you so much for joining me today on Type 471. Oh, you're welcome. Take care, Sam. Bye, everybody. If you would like to be privy to the reckoning in consciousness that is Type 471, go immediately to your preferred podcast platform and follow the show. Rate Type 471. Give it as many or as few stars as you believe it deserves. Say your piece in the comments and share Type 471 with other people. Like-minded people, people like you, who can hear in my voice that I am deadly serious about delivering wondrous truths to you. So if you believe in what I'm attempting to do, make sure everybody knows just how you feel about Type 471. Finally, to share your own extraordinary experiences with me, email me at type471podcast at gmail.com. I'm Sam Kitchen. Thanks for listening to Type 471, Northern California and Southern Oregon's preferred provider of homegrown unknown. You be well, dear listener. I will speak to you next week.